Amen. Great singing. I love singing the praise to our Lord. God has been good. And come, behold Him. Let's worship the Holy God. Our worship is not just in our song. It's also as we hear His Word and as we respond to it. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that right now. Our boys and girls are going to have an opportunity to do that right next door. And boys and girls, if you want to head on out for junior church with Mr. Michael, Miss Leslie, they've got two great classes over there. I know James had a meeting with all the parents this morning at 9 o'clock. If you weren't able to make it for that, make sure to see James. James, can you wave your hand in the back? He's in the back. Look at him. If you need him, you can see him after the service, and he can get you caught up. We'll make sure all of our parents know what they need to do or how we can help them, and we just want to have good communication to be able to minister as well as we can together. We're continuing our study in the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 11 this morning. Ken Rembert was very helpful to me in the first service, and he said, Pastor, what chapter are you going to be in? Because he looked carefully at the notes when he got in, and he saw all I had were referenced verses. I didn't have a chapter, and he said, I don't know what chapter. So you can thank Ken for catching that one and helping all of us out. So if you're wondering, we're in Acts chapter 11 this morning. And uh, we'll be looking at the first portion of this chapter, verses 1 through 18. Maybe some of you have heard this story. I know my family knows this, but it's been a few years ago now, almost 15 years ago now. But uh, I had a warrant out for my arrest. And uh, anybody else, you don't have to admit to it. Anybody else, if you've been in that situation. Um, So in my defense... I was uh, just minding my own business on my way to work one day. We lived in Kansas City, Missouri at the time. I was attending seminary, and I was working a full-time job. And so each day I'd have about a 30, 45-minute commute to the office. And I was driving down the road that I drove down every day. And in that particular place, it crossed over this long bridge. It was a four-lane road going over the bridge. But as soon as you got over the bridge, it went down to a two-lane road. So you lost the two outside lanes. And if you were in the right, far right lane, you would have to merge over or you'd end up in the ditch. And so I, there was, it was kind of confusing because on the bridge, there was a sign that said no passing. So once you got on the bridge, you weren't supposed to be changing lanes. But once you got off the bridge, you had to immediately merge over or else you'd be in the ditch. And there was a sign there that says lane ends, you know, merge now or whatever. And uh, so here I was, I was in the right lane as I normally was driving along and I got up to where the end where it said, you know, lane ends, merge now. I merged in, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and I had a police officer pulling me over. So I got over to the side, and my, you know how that happens when you don't know what you're doing. You first, how many of you, the first thing you check is the speedometer to see, was I speeding? I checked that, and I wasn't speeding. And then I started looking around thinking, well, do I have a tail light out? My inspection sticker's okay. You know, I'm trying to think, what did I do? And here came this police officer up to the window, and I rolled my window down, and he says, Sir, you were passing in a no-passing zone. And I said, Sir, the sign right here says lane ends, merge left. If I had not merged in, I would be in the ditch. And he kind of looked at me and laughed. I think he thought I was joking. I wasn't joking. The sign was right there. And he said, No, you know what you did. I said, No, (laughs) yes, I merged in so that I wouldn't go in the ditch. And and he said, Well, I'm going to give you a ticket. I said, for merging in so I didn't go in the ditch? Well, it supports the local school district. 
Well, at that point, I was not very excited about supporting the local school district. I figured I did enough with my taxes and other things to support the local school district. Didn't know that I was going to have to get a ticket to support the local school district. So, but I needed to get to work, so I just I didn't keep talking because I figured that would probably further uh, slow me down on my commute that morning. So I waited, got my ticket, and I thought, I'm going to fight this ticket. I, there's no way that this is going to hold up, and I'm not going to have to pay this. And so I went back to the place on the road, and I took photos of the signs and where I was and all of that. I had all my evidence ready. And then I waited, and I'd signed the ticket like you do, and they're supposed to mail you your court date so you know when to appear to, to deal with the situation. And so I waited, and I waited, and several months went by, and I never got a notice to appear until one day, all of a sudden, I got this notice in the mail that I had failed to appear for my court date, and there was a warrant out for my arrest. Here I was, just trying to do the right thing, just going to work, minding my own business, obeying the law, just trying to be a productive member of society, and I had a warrant out for my arrest. I was even planning to go to court, but they never sent me the court date. So I, I went down to the courthouse, because I didn't want them to show up in the middle of the night at my house and give me the surprise arrest, and I go down to the courthouse, and I got to the right person and talked to this lady and I told her the story and she looked at me and she said, well, let me see. And she goes back and gets her file and she pulls it out. And in the file was the returned envelope with the notice to appear and they had sent it to the wrong address. And I said, how did you send that one to the wrong address but you sent my warrant to the right address? I said, this, this doesn't make sense. And, she's, and I said, I, I think this needs to be worked out. I shouldn't have to pay this. Th this is not my fault. And she said, you sound like my husband. And I knew I was in trouble then because I didn't know this woman's husband, but I was being compared to him, and I could tell it was not in a kind way. And so I said, well, can I get another court date so that we can get this settled? And she said, well, your court date has already passed. And so you're going to have to pay $1,000 bail. And then you're going to have to hire an attorney to petition the judge to reopen the case because it's already closed. And, and then we can fight this ticket. And here I am standing there having done nothing wrong, facing $1,000 bail now so that I didn't get arrested and, and, uh, and having to hire an attorney and everything else. And so I said, how much is this ticket? She said, $80. I said, okay, can I just pay the $80 then and be done with it? She said, well, you're going to have to sign here and plead guilty. I said, well, I'm not guilty. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm the one here trying to make it right. And so I was caught in this moral dilemma of having to plead guilty to something that I did not do wrong. But if I didn't plead guilty to it, I was going to be faced with having to spend a bunch more money and time and running around trying to make someone else's problem right. I was very frustrated. In fact, I, I'm still kind of frustrated about that to this day. And now you can be frustrated for me and with me about this situation, this wrong that has never been made right. And so rather than deal with everything else, I paid the $80. I took the two points on my license. I probably made up the $1,000 in extra insurance charges over the years. Who knows? But I paid that, and I left that day a free man, no longer with a warrant out for my arrest. You know, sometimes... All, you're just trying to do the right thing, 
and you still encounter conflict. Anybody else have, have that experience in life? Maybe yours isn't as interesting of a story as having a warrant out for your arrest for something that you didn't do, but maybe you've experienced when you're trying to do right, when you're trying to go forward, when you're trying to fo even follow the Lord and be obedient to Him, that is when you encounter the most conflict. I think sometimes we get lulled into the fa a false reality that we think, well, if I'm doing the right thing, then I'm not going to have any problems. I'm not going to have any conflict. And we get frustrated when we face conflict when we're trying to do the right thing. Here in Acts chapter 11, we're going to read the story here in just a moment. We have a very interesting story because if you were here last week, you remember that God sent Peter, Peter, one of the apostles, to Caesarea, another town nearby where Peter was, to a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was a, a leader in the Roman army. He had a hundred men that he was in charge of. And he had been sent to uh, Cornelius to go and share the gospel with him. But Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter was a Jew. And God sent Peter this vision saying that it was okay for him to eat this unclean food that as a Jew, Peter had never before touched or eaten. See, Jews had very specific dietary laws about things they could eat and not eat, right? They couldn't eat pork. We often think of that one. But there were many other things that they could not eat. And so God had sent Peter this vision so that he would know it was okay to minister to Cornelius. And he goes and he does this. He ministers to Cornelius. Cornelius and his whole family get saved. And then Peter comes back to Jerusalem to share what had happened with the church, with the, his, the other believers in, in Jerusalem. Can't talk this morning. But the other believers in Jerusalem. And when he gets back, he faces conflict. He faces conflict. So let's read this story together because I want you to hear from the Word of God this situation and then we'll look at it together. Acts chapter 11, verse 1, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the Word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even unto me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, No, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done 
three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me, and the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send thou men, send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, help us now as we look at your word. Encourage us. Even when we're doing right, there are conflicts that come. Help us to understand how to resolve these conflicts to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Conflict resolution in the early church, resolving conflict. All Peter was doing was the right thing. He was following God. He was following the leading of the Holy Spirit. People were coming to Christ and being saved. That's something to rejoice about, that old things are passed away and all things are become new, that people are passing from death to life. People are going from on their path to eternal separation from God and hell to an eternal home in heaven with God. That should be something to rejoice about. But even before Peter could get back to Jerusalem to share the good news, the people were already waiting to contend with him over this issue. Number one, conflict can come when you are moving forward. If you didn't move forward at all, you might not experience as much conflict. If you just lived with the status quo, nothing changing, you might not experience conflict. But when you're moving forward, conflict can and will arise. It's interesting to me to note how fast news travels. News travels very fast, doesn't it? Especially when it's contentious news, right? Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, did you know what they did? Did you hear what happened with them? Oh, I was driving by their house the other night and I could hear them yelling from the street. I don't know what it is, but contentious news travels fast, doesn't it? These apostles and brethren that were in Judea, they had already heard what had happened. Caesarea is not that far from Jerusalem. And the news had traveled faster than Peter could back there. And even as Peter arrived, there were a group of of believers. It wasn't all the believers, but a group of the believers. We'll call them the circumcision party. And they came out and said, we don't like that you were eating food with these Gentiles. 
and they were contending with him, there was this conflict. I can imagine how I might have felt in that situation. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to tell people the good news about Jesus, and all you can worry about is what we had for dinner. It could have been easy for Peter to be frustrated. But see, conflict is very natural. It's very normal, I guess I would say, in our walk with the Lord. Yes, even in a church, even in the early church. We say, oh, we just want to be like it was in the early church. Well, fighting over what you had for dinner? Well, they're real people too that had real struggles. And while that may not be a struggle we would have today, it definitely was a big deal in this day and age. Jews and Gentiles, they didn't get along. The Jews had, had, had different Old Testament dietary restrictions that they had been following for thousands of years. And now in a matter of just literally a few days, Peter, one of their leaders has now gone and had dinner, has stayed with and eaten with Gentiles. They were feeling contentious. I would encourage you with this, that you not fall into the trap of feeling like that somehow in this life, in your marriage, in your work, even in church, you're going to arrive at a place where there's no more conflict. That point doesn't come till we get to heaven someday. But I think sometimes we all want to go in life and think, well, if I just do this, if I just get here, if, or if this person just got out of my life, then I would have no more conflict and everything would be peaceful and everything would be good. The reality is even when you're doing the right thing, there is conflict. You can, I think we can also see here in verses 2 and 3, these people that were bringing the conflict, they were focused on the wrong things. Conflict often comes when people lose their focus on what they should be looking towards and instead focus on another issue. But before I go further, I want to say this was a real issue. Peter was doing something that they felt was contrary to the Word of God. So before we get upset with those contentious ones, understand what they were contending about was something that they had held near and dear to their hearts for generations. They were trying to follow what they understood as the Old Testament laws, rules for the Jewish people. I want to give you a few keys here in your notes there. Five things to remember when you face conflict, because it's going to come. And here's some ways to approach it. Number one, don't assume you know the whole story. When people get frustrated or upset, then maybe they're upset with you or you're feeling upset with somebody else for what they did. Don't assume you know the whole story. Peter, in just a minute, is going to give them the whole story. These people were focused on the dietary issue, what they ate. They didn't understand the whole story. When you face conflict in your life, don't run into a thing. Well, I know exactly what happened. You probably don't. And right along the heels of that, don't assume you understand the motives of everyone involved. 
it's easy to judge motives, right? Old Peter, he just was been wanting to eat some bacon for the longest time, so that's why I did this. We don't know, right? You don't know their motive. It's so easy to judge someone else's motive, isn't it? Well, I know, I know why they did that. I know why they said that. No, you probably don't. You may think you know, but don't assume motives. Don't assume motives. Number three, be willing to listen and learn. Be willing to listen and learn. When conflict arises, sometimes it's between two groups of people that are both trying to do the right thing. Could we say perhaps in this situation that Peter was trying to do the right thing and those of the circumcision were trying to do the right thing? They were trying to do different things. But one was trying to keep the... You say, well, they were missing the most important thing. But they were trying to hold on to something that they believed to be true. So when you deal with contention, conflict, you have to be willing to listen and learn. Don't come into the situation and say, well, I'm going to tell them what they need to hear, and then I'm out of here. No, you have to be willing to listen and learn. You may not know the whole story. You may not understand their motive. Number four, be willing to put aside prejudices and presumptions. Put, you're going to have to maybe put some things aside. I mean, if these people had made up in their mind, well, Peter did wrong, and we're never going to listen to him. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing he can say that'll change my mind. Well, that's a really tough way to deal with conflict. There's nothing you can do or say that'll change my mind. I've made up my mind. Okay. We say things like that, though, sometimes, don't we? And number five, if you have a concern, don't be afraid to ask a question. Now, I don't know that the attitude of these of the circumcise of the circumcision that they had the best attitude. But I am thankful that they at least had a conversation with Peter about the situation. Sometimes when people have a concern about somebody else, they say, well, I'm just going to avoid them. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. Well, that doesn't help to deal with the conflict either, does it? I just, just won't talk about that. I'll just sit on this side of the room. They can sit on that side of the room. I'll cross over the street so I don't have to be next to them. It's easy to try to avoid conflict. Don't avoid it. Be willing to ask the question, after I got that ticket, I realize now something I could have done if I'd have been more proactive in the situation when I hadn't received a notice after a few weeks, I could have called the courthouse or gone down to the courthouse on my own. But you know what? I still feel justified in my own mind that that wasn't my job. That was their job. They should have contacted me. I didn't have to contact them. Well, guess what? I still got the short end of that stick even though it wasn't my fault. And that's how it happens in conflict sometimes, isn't it? We sit around very justified in our own righteousness in the situation. Say, if they really wanted to work it out, then they should come to me because I didn't do this. They did it to me. And I sat there in my self-righteous place in my house and got a notice that I had a warrant out for my arrest, and it cost me $80 in points on my license and, and, and the price of a great story, right? <laughs> but no, if I, I look back now, if I had been proactive in the situation, the conflict had arisen, I didn't cause the conflict, but I could have done something about it that might have made the outcome different. 
and in fact, might have made for a more positive out a positive outcome for myself. It's easy to just let conflicts be and let them go and not get involved because that's their problem, not mine. Well, it does take two people to have a problem, right? This leads us right to this second important truth. Conflict must not be ignored, but rather it must be met with the truth. Conflict must not be ignored, but rather it must be met with the truth. So Peter, when he's confronted about this with the, by these contentious people, he doesn't say, hey, what's your problem? Get thee behind me, Satan. And I'm gonna... No, he doesn't do that. When he's confronted by this, he says, all right, let me begin at the beginning. Let me tell you the whole story. You can't just ignore conflict and expect it to go away. <laughs> That's what I did with my ticket, and it didn't go away. You can't ignore those things. You have to deal with it. Peter could have wanted to ignore it. He could have wanted to avoid it. He could have said, hey, I'm Peter. Don't you know who I am? You need to listen to me. I'm telling you this is how it is. But that's not what Peter did. Don't ignore conflict. Meet it with the truth. Verse 4 teaches us that we ought to tell the whole story. And I would say tell the whole story if you're able. Look at verse 4. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning. He, he started at the whole beginning and he told them the whole story. Now, I do want to qualify this statement by the fact that there are sometimes a situation is sensitive or, or there's some part of the story that you can't share with another person because of the sensitivity of the subject or because of what's happened. And those things happen, right? Sometimes my kids will say, well, what's happened with that? What's there? And they'll say, well, we'll tell you this much, but the rest of it you're just going to have to trust us on. There are times, unfortunately, we live in a world like that, that we can't always tell everyone the whole story of every situation, okay? But I think when and if you can, in good conscience, as I believe Peter could in this situation, you ought to be transparent and share the whole story. We'll look at this story that he shares in just a minute. But Peter was very transparent in the way he related the situation to the people there in Jerusalem. Letter B, tell the story as it says, in order. He expounded it by order unto them. I would say it this way, make it understandable. Take time to explain it in the way so that the people you're talking to understand what really happened. Often we get into situations of conflict and I'm just going to tell you what I think and leave or I'm going to say my piece. It takes time to explain it in such a way that people understand. And Peter definitely does that. I want to point out a few things in his story because he relates it as a Jewish believer himself to these other Jewish believers to the particular issue that they were struggling with. Notice with me, if you will, in chapter 11, in verse number 5, he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying. In a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, 
So he talks about how focused he was on this. I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. So he tells this whole story about God sending in his vision all these unclean animals down and God telling him, Peter, arise, kill and eat. Notice his response. He tells the whole church what he told God. And I told the Lord, No, Lord. I see a transparency in Peter, don't you? As he relates the story to his brothers in Christ, fellow believers who he himself is admitting, hey guys, this issue of dietary restrictions, I had the same struggle. And I'm the one telling you, but God was speaking to me and I told God no. You know, it really helps when you deal with conflict if we're transparent about our own struggles and our own relationship with God. Sometimes when it comes to conflict, we want to come in like, well, I have no problems. I've never done anything wrong. It's all you. No, it's helpful to be transparent about your own struggle. He says, no, Lord. And he didn't do this once. He did it three times. And then God answered him and says, what God hath cleansed thou call that call not thou common. See, when conflict comes, we shouldn't ignore it. We should instead deal with it. How do we deal with it? We deal with it with the truth. As we share the truth, we need to share it understandably and transparently to say, hey, I can see what you're frustrated with me about. And in fact, there's been times when I've been frustrated about different situations. That's what Peter's saying here. I, I didn't like what God told me either. God had to come to me three times to tell me. Peter's admitting that he told God no. He's admitting that God had to tell him the same thing three times before he would do it. I see great humility in Peter here in the way he relates his story to the people. And think about it. Peter was the one doing the right thing, following God. He's the one being accused of wrongdoing. How many times when you're accused of doing wrong, do you respond with humility to, to your accusers? There's a great truth here for us to understand, I think. That when accused of wrongdoing, even when you're in the right, you ought to still respond with truth and humility. Truth and humility. Don't ignore the situation. Rather, meet it with truth. So in this particular situation, Peter was dealing with people who were legalistically trying to hold on to the Old Testament laws and did not understand that they were no longer bound by this old system. They were now in Christ. But I, without getting too far off track, though, I want to make a quick point on this because later in the New Testament, Paul especially talks a lot about resolving conflict, especially when it comes to dietary issues. In the book of Romans, the issue of eating meat that had been offered to idols came up. Now, again, these are issues we don't necessarily have. There's not really a place that I know around here where they're sacrificing 
you know, stakes to the false idol and then you go and buy those stakes and eat them, right? It, that's just not an issue that maybe that we're facing today. But understand what they were going through was all of this meat would be brought and sacrificed to the pagan gods of the day and then it would be sold in the market and a lot of believers were eating the meat. But there were some believers who said, no, I know where that meat's been. I can't eat it because it's been offered to an idol. It's unclean meat, therefore I cannot eat it. And so Paul makes this statement. He says, I won't eat meat if it offends my brother. Just because somebody takes a position that you say is more strict or uh, maybe they're holding to a position that is they would call higher than your position, be it about what you eat, about what you wear, about where you go, about what you do, don't belittle them for their choices of trying to follow what they believe to be right, if they're trying to do it for the Lord. It's so easy, isn't it? Maybe you've been saved a short time or a long time to look down on somebody else and say, well, if they understood what I understood, they wouldn't be worried about those things anymore. And you're becoming a stumbling block to them because they're in their heart just trying to follow the Lord. Don't distract people who are trying to follow God by belittling them and making fun of them just because they dress up more than you or don't dress up as much as you. Just because they will eat a certain place or won't eat a certain place. People come to different places and different convictions on these issues, and that's fine. I hope they're seeking the Lord. That's what all of us should be doing. I'll list a few out this morning just to help you. There are people that might say, well, it's, it's okay. when you come to church, pastor should always be wearing a tie. There are places that wouldn't have me come preach if I wasn't wearing a tie. You say, well, that's not a big issue. If it's an issue to somebody else, love them and encourage them and don't do your best to change their mind because it's not an issue that matters enough that it's worth changing their mind over if we're doing it for the Lord. There are people in some places that have an issue over how, how, a, how a lady would, would dress in church, of what would be appropriate apparel for her or not appropriate apparel. Maybe she needs to have long sleeves or short sleeves, or maybe she can't wear any sleeves, or maybe she can have slacks, or maybe it can be a skirt, or maybe it's this or that. And people want to fight and divide over these issues. If people are trying to do it as unto the Lord, rejoice. Rejoice. And encourage them. Encourage them. It's easy to find things. I could look at Brother Matt and say, there's some stuff he does differently than me. Therefore, I'm going to tell him all the things he's doing wrong all the time. I'm going to try to encourage him from the Word, but I hope what he's doing is as unto the Lord. I believe it is, and we've had a lot of good conversations about that. Don't flaunt your liberties and thereby become a stumbling block to others who may be holding to a, a stricter standard than you may. People celebrate different holidays. Some people don't celebrate any holiday. Uh, people celebrate birthdays. People don't celebrate birthdays. People celebrate Christmas. People don't celebrate Christmas. Say, really? People get... Make up your own mind on the issue. Make sure you're trying to follow the Lord. And then do it for His glory. 
And don't get all caught up and frustrated about what someone else does if it's a little bit different than you. It's okay. It'll be all right. Salvation is by grace through faith. It's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Your good works won't get you to heaven. But if you're saved and you're in your best way trying to follow the Lord, then follow Him. You say, well, I believe in following the Lord. I need to dress this way. I need to look. Then do it. Praise the Lord. And if someone else does it slightly differently, don't assume motives. Don't assume you know the whole story. Let them seek the Lord as well. Now, I believe we can encourage one another in it. We ought to speak about the Word together and make sure we're following Christ. So many times in churches, this is where the conflicts revolve around. Well, I see this differently. You see this differently. I'm so thankful here in Acts 11, when these men brought this conflict to Peter, he didn't start arguing with them about dietary laws. He says, let me just tell you the story. Let me tell you about my own struggle with this situation. He also brought other witnesses along. Look down at verse 12. He says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. He knew that in serving the Lord in this way, he was putting himself in an awkward position that other people weren't going to understand. And so he brought six other men with him. And as far as I can tell from the text, these same six men were with him in Jerusalem. He, they came back with him. And so as he's telling the men the whole story, he goes, And if you don't believe me, these six guys saw it too. They were there. Letter D, listen as the truth is explained. One positive thing I want to say about the, those of the circumcision, you don't see them interrupting Peter over and over in this story. They listened as he explains what took place. If you have a concern about what somebody else is doing and you feel like I need to go and speak with them about this issue and they're responding to you, be quiet and listen. Conflict is resolved a lot quicker when you do less talking and more listening. It's amazing what you learn. And I'm encouraged by these men. They listened as Peter spoke. They listened. But I want you to notice in verses 16 and 17, because there's a real turning point here in the story. And it's a turning point, not just in the men there in Jerusalem, it's a turning point in Peter's life. In fact, this particular point was not mentioned in chapter 10 in the story there. It's amazing how much more detail is here in chapter 11 than in chapter 10, because I think Peter's trying to carefully explain this to all the believers there. Look at verse 16 and 17. He says, then Remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now hang with me because I want to explain this and I hope you can understand it. Peter, up to this point, has been describing to them what God did through His Spirit, how the Holy Spirit of God came and spoke to him. He's explaining the vision that he saw. 
But I think up to this point, Peter, back when he was with Cornelius, wasn't really sure if he was doing exactly the right thing he thought he was, but he wasn't really sure. And to me, I see a confirmation here that Peter understands from God's word how God confirmed in his own heart that what he was doing was the right thing. I'll say it this way. God's spirit will never lead you away from God's word. God's spirit will always agree with God's word. There's some people walking around, well, I just feel the spirit leading me. Praise the Lord. Now make sure that it's in the word because the spirit's not going to lead you away from the word of God. Well, let me tell you about this dream I had or this experience I had. That's wonderful. Now let's make sure that it is mirrored in the Word of God and that the Word of God is our confirmation or source of truth. Do you see here how Peter, up to this point, he's been following the voice of God that he heard. He's been following the vision that he saw. But it was really the Word of God that God used in his heart to confirm that he was doing the right thing. He remembers the words of Jesus Christ himself who made that statement, as he quotes here, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And Peter is there, remember he's preaching, and then Cornelius and all of the rest of the people trust in the Lord and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And as Peter looks at that, he says, wait, that's what Jesus said would happen. They're filled with the Holy Ghost, just like Jesus said. And God used his word to confirm in Peter's heart that what he was doing was the right thing. You say, what does that mean? Well, as you seek to make decisions, as you try to decide, should I go here or go there? Should I do this or do that? Make sure you're not going contrary to God's Word. Make sure you're walking in obedience to the Word of God. God's Spirit will never contradict God's Word. This is a great encouragement because sometimes we've talked a lot on Wednesday night over the last 12, 13 weeks about walking in the Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you say, well, that's confusing. It just kind of feels like sort of out there and it's not clear and I don't know what's right and what's wrong. God's Word will always keep you on the right path. What does Psalm 119 say? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's Word will lead you in the right path. God's Spirit will challenge you. He'll encourage you. He'll convict you. He'll help to reveal things to you in God's Word that you just had looked over before and never noticed before. But God's Spirit will never contradict God's Word. And so as Peter is relating this to the, the, this group of believers in Jerusalem, he's sharing with them how God's Word helped to direct him, helped to confirm in his heart. You know, I can tell you the place where I was and the passage of Scripture that God used to confirm in my heart that I was supposed to move my family back across the country to Houston to plant this church. I can take you right to the place right now. It's a long way, so it takes take us a while to get there. But I can take you there. I can take you right now to the passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel 14, 6. And our church has heard me preach from it many times because... God used His Word to confirm in my heart what I felt like His Spirit was leading me to do. Before you try and make a case 
for something or against something. Before you try to bring contention against somebody, you say, well, they must be doing wrong. Make sure you have a clear word from the Lord. This just doesn't feel right. Okay. Compare your feelings with Scripture. Well, this just doesn't fit with my experience. Okay. Compare your experience with Scripture. Don't live by feeling or just experience. Live by the Word of God. And number three, conflict can be resolved when Christ is the focus. Conflict can be resolved when Christ is your focus. Look at verse 18. When they heard these things, what things? Well, they heard what the Spirit had done. They heard what God's Word had said. They heard what Peter had seen and how he realized if God was doing this, then this is what God was working in and this was where God was leading. This was in line with the Word of God. When they heard these things, they held their peace. And they glorified God, saying, Hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life? See, three things they did. Number one, listen to the truth. They listen to the truth. See, they heard these things. When conflict arises, listen to the truth. You say, how do you listen to the truth? Well, by talking to the person you have conflict with, hearing what they have to say, by digging into the Word of God and saying, Lord, show me, how do I deal with this? God, I need some answers. Your Word has all the answers. I need to find truth. Help me. Lead me. Lord, this is a situation I haven't dealt with before. I mean, think of these people. He's, he's breaking dietary laws that had been around for centuries. That's pretty good. Well, I had a word from God. Well, it was actually from the Word of God. It's from the Word of God. Listen to the truth. Number two, recognize God's work. Recognize God's work. Look for what God is doing. It says there, they held their peace. After they listened, they didn't argue anymore. They, they held their peace. They recognized, okay, this is right. This is what God is doing. And it says they glorified God. They held their peace and glorified God. And then we see, thirdly, they rejoiced in God's goodness. Rejoice in God's goodness. Look at the end of verse 18. They said, what did they say? Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So, this issue of Gentiles in the church, this is an issue that the Jews were having to work through. Because for so long, Jews and Gentiles had been apart. Now, it's interesting, this issue did not arise when Philip led the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord, which was just a few chapters prior to this. Remember, we looked at that just a few weeks ago. Now, I don't know all the reasons, can't judge motives, right? But perhaps they were thinking, well, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's on his way back to Ethiopia. So we don't really have to worry about him here and, and all of these issues. He's going to be over there. 
But Cornelius, he's in Caesarea. He's just right down the road. He might show up here at church one Sunday. What are we going to do about that? You see, when you're out doing the work of the Lord, God may reach some people that are a little bit different than you. They might look different. They might think differently. There may be a lot of things that you culturally are not as comfortable with. I'm not saying we compromise truth. But what I am saying is you go forward for the Lord, you will face conflict. Don't ignore it. Deal with it with the truth. Focus on Christ. That's how we resolve it, right? Because Peter shared what the Lord had done. The people rejoiced in what God had done. The focus was brought back on Christ, and they rejoiced. They said, praise the Lord. Repentance has come to the Gentiles just like it came to us. You ought to be encouraged when people are coming to Christ. This um, Yesterday, I got a text from David Cripps, and he was excited because they started back in April of last year at New Life, but they had to be online because of COVID. And so they had their first in-person service a year ago today. Now he's, he's just 15 minutes down the road. If you don't like this sermon, you can go to his church today. Some people say, well, there's a place for conflict right there. You shouldn't start churches that close to your church because if people don't like your church, they'll just hop over to that other church. I think Houston's big enough. We can have more than one church in town. We, we could use a thousand more. We could probably use uh, 10,000 more. So there's churches everywhere. There's people everywhere that need the truth. But it, wouldn't it be easy to look at and say, well, yeah, I wish those people were coming over here. If we added all those people, the people we have, we'd have a lot more people here. Was that the goal? I thought Christ was the goal. Well, those people, you know, God's sending them out to go serve in other places. They should all just stay right here with us. No, praise the Lord. There's part of me, because I'm like you. I just wish everybody stayed here. We just all have a great big family and just enjoy. But that's not what God has called us to do. That's what heaven is for. That's what heaven's for. God may bring people. He may send some people. God may move some people here or there. And we praise the Lord for what He's doing in His work of leading and guiding people. See, conflict can be resolved when Christ is the focus. No longer is it a competition between your way and my way. Instead, we ought to both humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, we want to do it your way. We want to follow you. This isn't my church or your church. It's His church. Lord, help us to follow you and to please you with everything that we do. God is continuing to do His work, and He will continue it in you and in our church. But as He continues to work in you, guess what? Conflict will come. Conflict will happen. Don't ignore it. Deal with it through the truth.
and then listen to God's word. Recognize God's work and rejoice in God's goodness. I believe that together we can see God's work continue to go forward. Jesus said it. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is doing his work. He sent his Holy Spirit to work in and through us. God the Father over all sees and he knows. He has all knowledge. He has all power. He's everywhere present. And we can serve him together. Yes, conflict will come. But when it comes, I believe if we ask God for wisdom, if we respond with the right attitude, if we speak the truth, if we involve other witnesses if possible and look for the answer in God's Word together, we can rejoice in the goodness and blessings of God. And together we can see the work of God go forward for the glory of God. Verse 19, I'm not going to preach on ahead, I'm stopping, but you'll get to it next week. God continues to bless and we see then the church, first church in Antioch start to come together. And it's a church of Jews and Gentiles all mixed up together. It is a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. But the focus is on Christ the risk of stealing my own thunder. You know, in Antioch was the first place they were called Christians. You know, Antioch was the first church that sent out missionaries. Not Jerusalem. Antioch. It was a church that perhaps had been able to work through some of these things that were causing conflict in other places. And together they were working for the glory of God. My friend, this morning, if you're struggling with conflict in your own heart, maybe it's in a family situation, work, or maybe even at church, I would ask you to humble yourself before the Lord. Don't ignore it. Don't sit on your high horse and say, well, it's their job. It's not mine. I didn't do wrong. They did wrong. Well, then we'll just all sit on our high horses and not get anything done, right? Or we can get down and humble ourselves before the Lord, look in His Word for truth, ask God to lead us and guide us, keeping Christ as the focus, as the center. And I believe God will be glorified and the body will be brought together. It won't be easy. It might even be painful at times. But growth can be painful. can be hard. The status quo is, seems to be the easy way out. But it's not the way that God has called us to. It's not the way that brings glory to God. If you're struggling with some conflict in your own heart between you and somebody else, I would ask you this morning to give it to the Lord first. Ask God for direction. And then begin to take some of the steps that we've talked about this morning of dealing with that conflict. If somebody comes to you, they're frustrated with something you've done or are doing. Respond in humility. Be willing to share the truth. Be transparent. Don't fight them back. My mom always used to say it takes two people to have a fight, right? Two kids to fight. No, it's their fault. Well, it's partially mine too. 
And together, I believe we could see God do great things. I, I'm, I'm encouraged. I was um, looking at this week, this past week, our children that are all signing up for camp and our teens, and, and we've got a great group together for that. I asked the guys, a bunch of them had memorized their scripture verses. We're getting ready for our scholarship offering in a couple weeks. I was at the church this week, and, and Chase was out visiting, and Josh was with them. And there was a whole list of people that went out. Many people heard the gospel this week through the ministry of Arise Baptist Church. I got to speak with some of our missionaries around the world and hear what God's doing in far-off places. God's an amazing God, and He loves people. God probably has you to talk with somebody that I may never meet. God wants you to minister in a place that I may never go. God has gifted you with talents and abilities and relationships that I may not have. And you have an opportunity to reach your family or your neighbor or your coworker or your little corner of the world. Imagine what God could do through you. But if we're distracted and fighting with other people all the time about issues that are contrary to the Word of God, we'll never accomplish in ourselves what God wants us to do. May we humble ourselves before Him. Ask God for wisdom and direction. I think this is a daily process. You know what? This conflict in the church over Jews and Gentiles, it wasn't all resolved at this time. It was fixed for the moment, but it's going to come back up again. And I can preach this sermon this morning, and you may say, oh, God's working. He's, he's helping us resolve some things. Guess what? There's a tomorrow and next week, <laughs> and more conflict will come because we're people. We're sinners. This is something we need to continue to ask the Lord's help for each and every day. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the example that Peter set. We thank you for your word and your spirit that you used to guide and direct him and later these other believers in Jerusalem to deal with what was a very sticky and difficult situation. Help us to respond to truth with humility and with a desire to follow you. Lord, if there's somebody here today struggling in their life with a conflict with someone else, maybe it's even a conflict with me. Maybe it's something here at the church they're struggling with. Lord, I pray that they would deal with it and work through it. Lord, this may fill up my schedule for the week. I don't know, helping people as, they, as we talk through issues and look to your word for answers. But Lord, we want to be faithful and right before you. Help us now, I pray in Jesus' name.